When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Legends Lounge. I'm Trill Withers, and with me today, we've got former Illinois fighting a lot now. He's, he's repping uh, as we speak. I guess flying a lot now. Flying a lot now, I should say. Uh, former yeah. Charlotte Hornet, New Jersey Net. He's a current analyst for the Chicago Bulls. We got Kendall Gill with us. Thanks for stopping by the lounge, man. Oh, no. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. Uh, first things first, I always like to ask the guys, what was your welcome to the NBA moment? My welcome to the NBA moment was when uh, we played the Boston Celtics in the Boston Guard my rookie year. Uh, and Larry Bird had the basketball in the corner. He wasn't the Larry Bird that I saw growing up. He's, you know, he was suffering from back injuries and things like that, but he could still shoot the basketball. Definitely. And, you know, he, he saw me and he was like, come here, rookie, come here, rookie. He said it three times. And like a dumb rookie, I went over there <laughs> and tried to block his shot. And he knocks down the three-point shot. And as he's running back down the court, he says, you, you dumbass rookie. <laughs> Those were his exact words. So, <laughs> so that was my cut. Then, uh, then I knew I was in the NBA at that moment. Oh, for sure. So uh, yeah. what, what do you say back to Larry Bird at that point? Or can you even say anything back? I didn't say anything. I was just, you know. <laughs> I was just, you know, that was just the moment that I, a legend called me out. And, you know, I saw why he was Larry Bird. And, then, you know, at six foot nine and a half, me being only six five, you know, it was, I, it was no way I could have blocked his shot out. There. <laughs> I don't know why I went there anyway. <laughs> okay, so that was your work to the NBA. What would you say, when did you start to feel like you belonged? Uh, I felt like I belonged um, after my first practice. You know, with mm. uh, the Charlotte Hornets, I was a holdout. I didn't sign my contract um, until maybe three, two or three weeks into training camp. And I missed actually all of training camp, but I was still training on the um, back here in Chicago. So when I went to the first practice and, you know, I knew I could deal with the speed. I knew I could deal um, with the, the strength factor. Uh, because you're dealing with grown men now, you know, you're not dealing with guys that that in in college that are, you know, still trying to mature and things like that. But after the first practice, I knew, you know, I was like, okay, I can, I can play with these guys. Mm. Now I'd like to go back a little bit. You were born, raised like Chicago, Chicago area. Yeah. I was born at Cook County hospital here in Chicago. Uh, I was a free baby. (laughs) You know, because okay. I, I used to be the free hospital up there. <laughs> and uh, I, I spent the first 10 years of my life on 82nd and Sangamon on the south side. And then after that, my parents moved us out to the south suburbs. And, uh, you know, then, on, then I went to the University of Illinois. And, you know, ever since I was in the NBA, I always came back home to Chicago in the summer times. And this is where I reside now as well. Hmm. So what you got to tell me, what's different about the Chicago high school basketball scene? Because it feels like they're, feels like they're cut above. Yeah, you know, it, it's really, really competitive. Um, you know, just recently I went to 
the Christmas tournament where Whitney Young, which is which is a, 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 a an elite school here in Chicago, Kenwood, which is an elite school here in Chicago, both of them played one another, and you you would have thought you were at the Final Four. You know, right? At, you see the stuff the, on TV. It's packed standing yeah. room and people going standing crazy only, yeah yeah and you know my friend mike irvin now who's who's his family are the irvins who are like basketball royalty here in chicago he is the coach at kenwood high school and you know has all of the top players and everything kenwood the same with with uh fred slaughter over there as the coach uh, you know, they, they, they go back and forth, man. And it's, you know, not only is it, is it nice watching the game, but it's, it's, it's really entertaining watching the coaches talk back and forth to one another on the sideline. Right. You know, that's <laughs> I, probably a game in enjoyed, itself. Yeah. It's a game in itself. I actually enjoyed that more than the game. <laughs> so like you said, you, you, from that, you stayed home with the Illinois, like on that flying Illini team, I feel like it was a lot of. Illinois, like Stephen Bardo, Nick Anderson, Kenny Battle. I feel like a good bit of that team was from Illinois. Was that something like discussed at the time? Like guys knew they wanted to stay home, or it just kind of played out there. No, way? we yeah, we knew from 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 playing um, here in the Chicagoland area and going to Five Star, which we all did back then. We went to Five Star in Pittsburgh. Mm. Uh, we all knew we wanted to stay at home, and not one player on that team was outside of the state of Illinois. That's that's wow. that's one thing that, that people don't understand that, you know, I think oh, everybody the was there. Yeah. 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 Every, even the walk-ons, no, <laughs> nobody was from outside of the state. And I think we were the first final four team and the, the first and only team to have all of its players homegrown and from within the state. Wow. Yeah. So I, I was going to ask if it was a hard sale to get you to Illinois, but I guess sounds like it, it is that where you knew you were like you knew you were staying in the state but didn't know where or you were kind of kind of locked in well, Illinois? Well, no, I was I actually was going to go to Michigan State. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah, I was going to I was this close to going to Michigan State, but I felt something at the last second told me to stay at home, hmm. stay at home and and you know, it worked out for me. I mean, it it probably would have worked out for me in Michigan State too, but you know, I'm glad that I stayed home because you know, I tell recruits this all the time that that uh, from the Chicagoland area that have interest in going to, to U of I and, and U of I has interest in um, recruiting them that, you know, you got to think about after basketball as well because I still benefit from going to the University of Illinois. You know, if you if you go to the University of Illinois and you stay in the Chicagoland area and everything, everybody's going to remember you, you know, mm-hmm. and you look at former players like D. Brown, who's now the mm-hmm. coach at UIC Chicago, who had a great career at U of I. You look at Io DeSumo, who's now mm-hmm. uh, a Chicago Bull. He went to the University of Illinois. Everybody, everybody's going to remember him forever, you know. And that's why. And and we have, I, you know, I get into arguments sometimes with players around the former players around the league about who has the best homegrown talent, and mm-hmm. you know, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, this, this, and that. You can go up and down. The names in Chicago is by far the best producer of NBA talent in 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 the country. By far, by far. <laughs> okay. By far, I'm I'm, I'm I'm gonna argue with all New York guys. I'm a, I get into it with Ryan Strickland about this sometimes. I get into it, you know. I get into it with with guys from 
from the uh from the west coast as well i mean kenny smith mm. thinks it's is, of course kenny smith thinks it's new york of course but 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 but, but it's not man okay <laughs> okay so if you had to uh say we're, we're getting these regional fives together you had to send a uh, all-time chicago five to go play the the la five and the new york five the detroit whoever else who's your uh chicago five who's my chicago five okay uh Dwayne Wade, Anthony Davis. Oh, I'm having a hard time picking between Derrick Rose and Isaiah Thomas, but I'll, I'll go Isaiah Thomas. Okay. Uh, uh, Mark Aguirre. Um, and uh, Terry Cummings. Okay. Okay. So uh, I thought you were going to throw yourself in there. You, you could have thrown yourself in there. Well, I, I would throw myself in there too, but I mean, you you asked me to be the GM. You asked me to be the player. I'm the GM. True. No, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, so that you putting that five up against. I mean, that's. I feel like you got everything you need there. And uh, would you yeah. if you put D Rose coming off the bench? That I guess that's not too I, bad. I put I, I put myself and D Rose coming off the bench. Yeah, I feel yeah. I, I feel like y'all could uh, so throw, win a couple I, games. I, yeah, a couple. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like that lineup might tomorrow. do all right. Uh, yeah okay <laughs> so, uh, a little early you mentioned the uh the five star camps what do what, what do you remember about those i remember you know when i went there nobody knew who i was mm. you know was I, I remember senior year when did you yeah, go it was, it was it was i was going into my senior year going into senior year of high school so nobody mm. knew who i was you know and i always i always tell everybody I wasn't a McDonald's All-American. I was a Hell's Chicken All-American. You know, <laughs> Hell's Chicken is a franchise here in Chicago. Local. Yeah, that's... <laughs> right? So, so I go there, right? And, you know, I'm playing, and I'm playing well and everything. I have no idea I'm playing with the third, first, second-ranked players right. in the nation. Because I don't know who they are. Right. You know, I, I'm just a kid from Chicago that just goes out there that just gets into the camp and starts playing basketball, you know, but mm. during the, I made the all-star team and when they start calling out the all-star names, they were like, and the third ranked player in the nation, Rex Chapman. I was like, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> He's the third ranked player in the nation. He was on my team. And the, the second ranked player in the nation, J.R. Reed, the first ranked player in the nation, Derek Coleman, you know, and all these guys I was competing with. Right, you know, at, at the highest level, I was holding my own with them, and you know, so that was the takeaway from the camp is that you you can't read ple- press clippings, hmm. you can't read into the height right. of, of anybody because you don't know you might be just as good as the other player that, right. that's there that's highly ranked, even even though nobody knows about you, you know. So I, I got a valuable lesson out of that. So leaving there, did you, I guess, start to see your name shoot up there? Did, like, the interest increase? What happened, like, after you left the camp, after having a successful camp? Yeah, so I went there and nobody. <laughs> and I came out as the as the 40th ranked player in the nation. Okay. And, um, you know, I started getting a lot of attention. And actually, the, when I got back home two days later, that's when uh, Coach Lou Henson called me mm. uh, from the University of Illinois. And I – you know, right away, I knew it, it, it was between Illinois and Michigan State, you know. So 
and of course, you know, I chose Illinois, but uh, right. those two schools were my top two. Mm. Now, you went to Illinois, of course, you played four years. It was a different era, but did you ever consider like jumping pro before your senior year? I, I did, um, right after the final four. Um, you know, I, I, I thought about going uh, pro, but uh, my dad told me, like, nope, you're not ready. He said, right now, you, you could go, you're going to be a late first round pick. Mm. And, um, you know, if you wait another year, you could possibly be a lottery pick. Mm. So you know, I followed my father's advice and uh, waited. And uh, as a result, you know, I was All-American the next year, led the Big Ten in scoring and uh, was the fifth pick in the draft. So my dad was right. You know? Yeah, he, he called it there. Yeah, yeah, he called it. So, you know, and I'm, and I'm glad I waited around because I really needed another year of maturity both. Mm. mentally and physically right. in order to deal with the rigors of, of the NBA. So, you know, it was the right decision. So if you were coming up in this era, what do you, like, it feels like it's so many more options. Like it's, I mean, you can still do four years. Of course you can do one and done and get the, you know, name image likeness money. You can go like mm. a team like the G league ignite. Uh, what do you think would appeal to, to you if you were coming up around this time in this time? Well, I, I would I would stay in school, you know. Mm. I I loved school, you know. I loved I loved college, the college atmosphere. I loved um, going to class. I loved being in the dorms. I loved the college life, mm. you know. It's something that I always had aspired to when I was in high school, you know. I loved being on campus. I loved wearing my Letterman's jacket. You know, that's that's life. That's that's you have to experience those things. And you know, I don't I don't knock anybody for going and wanting to go and get the money right away. Mm. But, you know, there's other things than, than money. There's Because when it's all said and done, when we're on our deathbed, okay, and you're going to think back at the, and, and, and realize the experiences that you had. Mm. It's not going to be, you can, have a, you can have all the money in the world, but it's, it's really the experiences that you've had that are the most valuable. And, right. I would not want to have not had the college experience, you know, at least, at least for three, two, two, three years, you know, now right. you have guys that go, they go one and done, but they're not even in, in school for a full year. They go to school, what, maybe three months right. for the, for the basketball season. And then they leave and go work out with their, train, yeah. their, their trainer and all that stuff. And, you know, when other kids are in class, you know, Going around, experiencing different things, learning different things. That's 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 how I feel about it. Hmm. Now, like you mentioned, you were the fifth pick in the uh, nineteen ninety draft. Do you yeah. you know you're the second? You're second in point score from that draft. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. I'm second in points from the nineteen ninety. You second wow. in points oh. score. I, I just just putting that out there. Just put put a little respect I on his name. No, I had no idea. I appreciate you telling me that. Right? I got you. Now, I, now, now I can go and tell my son. Yeah, because there, see, there you go. Yeah, my son, my son. You know, I'm just dad. I'm not. You know. Right. Yeah. You pops. Uh, right. And uh, I mean, it was Derek Who, Coleman. Derek uh, Coleman. Okay. I think it's Derek. Or the four. I think it's actually Gary Payton. I believe because Derek Coleman, Gary Payton, Gary okay. Payton uh, Chris Jackson at the time, and then Dennis mm -hmm. Scott were were the mm -hmm. four ahead of you what do you remember mm -hmm. like just about like the draft experience because like, i like combine or like what what 
What was your draft experience? Well, well, we went to a combine. Of course, they have it here in Chicago. They mm-hmm. still do. Uh, we went down to the combine, and I just got the physical. I didn't compete in any of the uh, uh, the basketball part of it. You know, mm-hmm. if you're if you're a projected lottery pick, you shouldn't do that. Right. You know, because if you if you're a lottery pick, you could drop your draft status if you don't have a great camp. Right. So, you know, I was, I was advised by my agent not to, not to do it, just go and do the physicals, um, you know, and that's what I did. Mm. So you, you knew you were going lottery. Did you know, like, when did you know you were going five to Charles? That's something they told you, like, beforehand, or you found out, you know, at the draft yeah. and everybody else? Yeah, I knew. I, I thought I was going to either go three or three, five, or six. I was okay. either going to go to Denver Nuggets, the Charlotte Hornets, or the Minnesota Timberwolves. One of those three picks I knew I was going. So, uh, because my agent talked to the teams, but when Mahmoud um, was taken third, I knew now that I would possibly be going to the Charlotte Hornets. Mm. And I actually really questioned why the Charlotte Hornets wanted to draft me because they had Rex Chapman (laughs) at the two guard position and Rex Mm. was my friend, you know, and and I didn't want to, I didn't want to go and compete for a position with, with Rex. And I said, well, if Charlotte doesn't take me, then I can go to Minnesota where they need a two guard and I can be alongside Pooh Richardson, you know, mm. who, who was a point guard I wanted the to play court. with. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, Charlotte drafted me and, you know, after a while I was like, okay, well, this is the place that I'm supposed to be, you know? And what, what made you feel that way? Like it, like this is where I'm supposed to be. You know, when I, when I went there, it was just, it, it just felt like, like home, you know, it was, uh, southern hospitality you know I'm, I'm real friendly with everybody and everything and you know i speak to everybody even on the street you know and that's that's the way that, that they were you right. know and uh i really really enjoyed playing in front of their crowd Twenty-three thousand each and every night we led the league in attendance every year that i was there you know so they had really great fan support i love playing with muggsy bogues and then mm-hmm. when we drafted larry johnson and alonzo morning I mean, it was that I got two regrets in the, in the NBA, and and one is I didn't stay and play with the Charlotte Hornets and Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning for seven, eight years because I really think if, if we had stayed together all those years, we would have really put pressure on the Bulls, um, winning all those Eastern Conference uh, titles. And yeah, I know they had Michael, I know they had Pitt, but <laughs> we, you know, we would have. Well, you would have had a young really core competitive. that would have got to grow together. So we would have gotten to grow together. Yeah, like like you see the Golden State Warriors now. You look how long right. have Steph and Clay and Draymond been together? You know they've been together forever. You know, like a decade now. Together. Yeah, so right, and that's turned into championships. You know, so and, and huge success. But you know, I wish we could have done that. The second regret I have is that I should have signed with the Los Angeles Lakers when I had the opportunity. You know, I did not do that uh, because I've made a business decision to go back to New Jersey. Um, New Jersey offered me a one year deal for seven million, mm-hmm. which is peanuts today. So you know, <laughs> with, they, they offered me a one year deal for seven million dollars to go back. The Lakers gave me a deal for five and a half million dollars for two years. So. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I weighed my options and I was like, you know, this is business. I let me go back. But now that I think about it, I would have won a couple of championships with Kobe and Shaq. 
Um, and when you retire, you look at differently when you're a champion, hmm. you know, and, and I think about that all the time. I actually, I was actually in Los Angeles and they gave me the jersey. We were about to go over to the press conference when the owner of. Oh, wow. The, so it was almost uh, a done deal. I was, listen, I was on my way to the press conference when the owner of the New Jersey Nets called me and, and said, listen, Kendall, don't go. He knew I was going to the press conference. He said, listen, don't do anything right now. We're going to offer you $7 million for one year. And I'm like, I was on my way down to, downstairs to meet Mitch Kupchak and wow. Kurt Rambis to come to pick <laughs> me up. And he calls me and I'm on the elevator. I'm like, what do I do with what? <laughs> you know? that, that's tough. Oh, it was the toughest decision of my life, man, because I knew that if I had if I had gone there and played with Shaq and Kobe, I was going to win championships and I was going to have that experience. But you know, seven seven million for seven one million, year, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, five and a half million for two years. You got you got to think about that, you know. Oh, and, definitely. And I and I was in a I was in a predicament, man, where I was just like, oh. <laughs> Why did you? <laughs> I wish I had left my phone. I wish I had left my phone in my hotel room, man. Then that would right. Yeah, if he called me. like two minutes later, you might already be shaking <laughs> a hand. But you wouldn't have yeah, that I seven million. No, I feel like it, it was a it was a win win. It feels like it was a win win. But now that I look back on it, I, I, I wish that I had have gone and, and and won the championships. You know why? Because once you win, they probably would have the Lakers probably would have taken care of me after that. Right. You know, so right. but but hey, I still got the jersey though. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> you mentioned uh you mentioned like Muggsy, uh Rex Chap. It was like Kenny Gaddison, Dale Kenny Curry. Gaddison. I feel like it, it was some who were some of the other uh characters? Like what do you remember about the those early teams? That team actually was one of the closest teams that I've ever played on. Played really? golf together. Yeah, they would played a lot of golf together. Um, hung out together. Uh, everybody got along, um, and you know it, it was just a really tight team. And and I didn't experience that with my other NBA teams, like the, the tightness that I had with the Charlotte Hornets. And you know my third year there, you know of course Larry Johnson was drafted number one uh, the year after I was drafted, and Alonzo Mourning was drafted number two after that. And we took the Knicks to, I believe it was five or six games to the second round of playoffs in my mm -hmm. third year. Um, you know, but, you know, being young and dumb, you don't know what you got. <laughs> right. It was gone. You yeah. know, it was. Yeah. And 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 that team was 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 really built to win in the future. But unfortunately, you know, it just wasn't able to happen. And then, you know, I went to Seattle for two years. Mm hmm. And then I actually had the opportunity to come back and I was back in Charlotte for all of training camp. And then right when the season started, they mm -hmm. traded Alonzo to Miami. Uh, so, so, that, so they broke us up again. And then that, and that was the beginning of the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He played uh, seven teams. What would you say? What was your favorite city? Like Charlotte, Seattle, Jersey, you mentioned. Oh, New York, uh, New York. New York, New York. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, why? Because I, because I, I lived in, I, I played in Jersey, but I lived in Manhattan. Okay. I lived, I lived on Forty Third and Eleventh Avenue for six years. Okay. You know, and uh, Riverbank West is still there. 
And I used to eat at the Market Diner, which was right across the street. Every meal I ate there. Um, <laughs> and after game, and actually, I used to get to the games, man, faster than most of the guys in Jersey because they lived, they lived further out than, right. than I did. All I would do was hop in the Lincoln Tunnel, drive right over to East Rutherford, and and be right at the games. And but that was back in the day when when going through the tunnel was four dollars. Oh <laughs> I, wow. I don't know how much it is now. It's probably $20. I would say a lot more than four, I bet. <laughs> it was $4, man. Yeah, so, and, and New York, man, it was just, it, I was, you know, I was single, young, and, you know, basketball player. I mean, if you can't enjoy yourself in New York with, under those circumstances, <laughs> right? So, something is wrong, you know? Yeah, so you, got, got, you got some other issues. Uh, yeah, well. so, so I, I got an opportunity to, to, go to the Knicks games when we weren't playing. Mm. Um, got a chance to hang out with, you know, all of the stars because, you know, of course, you know, they're in New York. Right. You know, and I, I go to the same restaurants they go to. I go to the same clubs they go to. Right. You know, not, on, not only that, but I got a chance to experience all the different cultures and, and the, the museums and, you know, mm. going down to the village, hanging out, going down to the coffee shop and, in Union Square and sitting down and watching the whole city walk by. You know, yeah. I got all these experiences. Like, you know, I tell people all the time, I never drove unless I was going over to Jersey. I always took a taxi wherever I was going in, in New York. Mm. You know, so, uh, you know, I got to experience the subway systems, all of this stuff. I wanted to experience it all. You like know? all of it. That's why, yeah, all of it. So that's why I lived there, man. And, uh, you know, I had a I had a great time there. I'll never forget it. My wife, my wife asked me that. She said, "Why, you, why don't you ever take me out?" I was like, "I'm still trying to recover from when I was in New York." You know, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's for both of our best interests. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm still trying to recover. <laughs> okay, so of the yeah. that was your favorite, least favorite city that you played in. Um, I didn't have a least favorite. I enjoyed all of them. Um, the the coldest was Minnesota, <laughs> yeah, Minneapolis. Now, hey, Chicago is cold, but Minneapolis is cold, cold. Yeah. But, you know, I've met some great people up there in Minneapolis. I'm still friends with them to, to this day. Um, you know, when the, when it's not cold, though, the city is the city is nice. You know, it's a right. nice city. Yeah. Now, jumping outside of basketball a little bit, uh, mm. I heard a rumor, and I I wanted to know if you could clear this up for me. I heard that Jake Paul is ducking you in the ring. Is that true? Yeah, he is. Oh he wow! Is. Yeah. So, oh wow! So, <laughs> so I uh, became a professional boxer after I, I retired from basketball. Hmm. Um, you know, I used to box when I was a kid. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a boxer. Hmm. Um, but my parents, when when they moved us from the city to the suburbs, you know. There was no boxing gyms out in the suburbs. You know, kids out there, they don't they don't box. They go to the country club. You right. know? So I I just decided to play basketball and you know I happened to be good at it. And uh but I always was a boxer at heart. You know, always mm. watched the fights, always went went to the fights, um, always trained. But after I decided to retire, I said, you know what, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna have some some pro fights. So I got got in the gym, trained for two years to get all my skills back that I had when I was a kid. And then I had my first pro fight, 
and I ended up with four. I'm, I'm four and zero. Oh. Okay. And uh, then, you know, I, I haven't fought for a long time. I haven't fought. I haven't been in the ring uh, competitively for over ten years. But I, I still spar all the right. time. You know? So I'm still active. But when when Jake Paul knocked out Nate Robinson, you know, he went around bragging about he knocked out an NBA player. This and that. Yeah. Well, well, okay, you you did that, but you got into the ring with a guy that didn't have experience that really had no business being in there. Right. And, you know, we, we guys in the NBA, yeah, we're great athletes and, and, and we're talented and everything like that. But when you get in the ring, it's the sweet science. It's totally different. Right. You got to really know what you're doing. They call it the sweet science for a reason. So I have been calling out Jake Paul ever since that happened. <laughs> okay. And he, and, and I'm going to tell you, we, Almost got to him because Steven Espinosa, who's the president of Showtime Sports, Showtime uh-huh. Boxing, reached out to me eight weeks before Jake Paul fought and, and asked me would I be interested in being on the undercard. I was like, absolutely, mm. I would be. And I texted him right back. And I texted my promoter's uh, number um, because I know now whoever, if, if once they put me in with Frank Gore, um that would be easy work for me and they knew that <laughs> okay they knew they knew that once i beat him then i was gonna call out jake paul right so they didn't want that so we never heard from steven espinoza again wow so you okay. sent the information and it was it was dead after that no see because because jake paul owns a the promotional company that promotes the event showtime just puts the event on i got so, you so, so Stephen Espinosa went back to MVP Promotions, which is Jake Paul's promotion company, and asked them, "Is this name good to fight Frank Gore?" They were like, "No, nah, that's the guy that's been calling us out for a, a whole year, so we we don't want him on the card." So what they do? They went and they called Darren Williams, who's my who's my friend, also a University of Illinois alum, and he got the fight. Mm. But they knew they they knew Darren was only going to fight one time, and he wasn't going to call Jake Paul out. Right. So, so they say, okay, well, he, well, he, he's safe. So that's why. But you know, I'm still hoping that the, that I get that call. Um, but if it doesn't happen this year, then I'm I'm not gonna do it because you know, time, it, it's it's hard going through an eight week training camp. Right. And, and I and I am 53 years old. You know, so you know, father time. You know, I. I compete with the I compete with younger fighters all the time. You know, guys getting guys ready for the Golden Gloves, things like that. You know, sparring with them. So I still spar guys eighteen to to, to thirty years old. You know, all, okay. all in between. You know, but you know, my wife is like, okay, if you don't get it by this summer, then stop <laughs> trolling this guy because I troll him all the time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? But I'm gonna I'm gonna troll him again in a couple of weeks. But you know, I'm I think you should get a little more time. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna troll him again. <laughs> so if he say by chance he, he gives you you get that call that text, what's the prediction? You and Jake Paul in the ring, what's the prediction? I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna knock him out because I mean I could, but I'm not gonna knock him. I'm gonna punish him. Okay. You know, and because one, he's front foot heavy. Okay, front foot heavy means he's got all of his weight on his front foot. He can't get out of the way of a jab. Two, he does not move his head. Three, mm. he 
He comes in when he throws his punches. He comes in wide open. You saw that punch that he knocked Tyron Woodley out with uh, a couple weeks back? Mm-hmm. Listen, if you're an experienced boxer, you never get caught with that shot. You can see it coming from a mile away. Tyron Woodley's an MMA guy. You know, all due respect to MMA guys. I got ultimate respect for him. But he should have been able to see that shot coming. You see, right. what, what they've done with Jake Paul, they, they've picked his opponents carefully. I don't knock his hustle. He's done a great job. Yeah, he getting to it. Yeah, yeah, he, he's done a great job of promoting himself and doing. But you gotta fight somebody that has experience in the ring, just like right. you. I'm four and zero. He's five and zero. It, it could be a great event here in Chicago in July. We could sell out the United Center. He could sell all his pay per views, and you know I'm I'm on television here at two or three days a week in front of millions of people. You know, we can really promote this thing and, and, and make it a huge event, you know, but he knows that if he gets in there with me, he's going to lose. <laughs> he got to stop ducking you. That, that's why he's ducking me. Hey, look, I understand why he's ducking me, you know, but he knows he's going to lose. And on top of that, he, you know, they list him at five, at six, one. He's really about five, 10, has a 76 inch reach. I'm six, five, and I have an 84 inch reach. So, they they, yeah. they know all this stuff, you know. So yeah. This this is the reason why, but but yeah, man, listen, take a challenge. He said, anybody, anytime, anywhere. That's his motto, right? Except Kendall Gill. <laughs> Except Kendall Gill. Except- right. <laughs> <laughs> that, you mentioned the uh, the sixty forty club earlier. Tell yeah. me uh, tell me a little bit about that. Well, the sixty forty club is um, a group that I started. Mar- two almost two years ago now March 11th when the pandemic started and we could, all of the health clubs were closed uh, and we we didn't have a place to go and work out so I said I called up one of my friends and I said hey listen I want you to come out and do the 6040 workout with me something that I did in college at the University of Illinois and um, you know it's going to take 50 days let's do it and then we started doing it and we started posting our stuff on Instagram and social media. Mm-hmm. After that, then we had two people, two more people join us, then three more, then four more, then five. Then it, it just, it, it became massive. It took off. It took off the amount of people that were coming to train with us every day, Monday through Friday at a football field on the South side of Chicago. And it turned out and it it became so big i had to put structure to it mm. so it became a 60 40 club and you know i wrote out a whole program for it and once you uh commit to it it takes 50 days um and on average all of our members lose between 15 15 and 30 pounds the highest member lost 120 pounds wow yeah, wow. and I lost, you know, during the pandemic, I lost 39 pounds doing, you know, because it's it's cardio. It takes at most 45 minutes. You get in, you get out. That's what most people love about it. Mm. Um, and you know, it's 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 a great workout. So what the workout consists of is you sprint 60 yards on the football field, okay. you jog 40, you touch the goal line, you turn around, and you do it again. Down is one, back is two. Okay. You have to do 20 for the first day. 
Okay? Oh, Lord. Then, then each day you add on one. So the next day you do 21. Gotcha. Now, after you, now, after you're done with that, you have to do calisthenics. So you have to do 20 Hindu push-ups, 20, uh, uh, 20 Hindu squats, hold a back bridge for 20 seconds, do 20 sit-ups, and hold a plank for 20 seconds. Each day you add on one to that as well. You gotcha. do that right after you get done with your sprints. So, I mean, everybody, it, it sounds tough. It is tough, but everybody loves it because you don't need any weights. You don't, and, and it works and you get results. And, you know, you can go on my Instagram page. You can go on the 6040 uh, Club Instagram page and see the results. The, the, the results are undeniable. I mean, we've had people get off of their high blood medication, mm. get off of um, all the medications that they're on. Uh, and you know, you you become addicted to it, actually. Right. And I and I had to tell the, some of the people, hey, listen, stop, okay? Because you're, <laughs> right. over, you're overtrained. You're doing too much. <laughs> you're doing too much, yeah. But it take it takes fifty days to complete the program. Once you complete the program, you get your T-shirt. You become a member of the club. How do people find out about that? You said just on Instagram you go, or you can, on on Instagram or you can, uh, the sixty forty club, okay. two or you can go to my uh, Instagram page, official Kendall Gill, and you can find out about it. We normally start our season off because 6040 is a season. So we started off June 1st. Okay. Then uh, after 50 days of in the completion of the program, we take a month off. Then we come back for six more weeks, and then the season is over. Got you. Got you. Yeah. That, I guess I saw some of that on your Instagram. Something else I wanted to ask you about, I didn't see on your Instagram. Mm -hmm. Your famous appearance on my brother and me <laughs> yeah yeah that was know, classic yeah you know everybody I like i have i have grown men come up to me sometimes <laughs> and say hey man when i was a kid i was like oh i like man <laughs> you already know where it's feel, you make me feel old man. i was like don't don't tell me you saw my brother and me right like, yeah, oh yeah i did with, with goo and all those guys <laughs> uh you know I, I had no idea when i did that sitcom that it was gonna it was gonna take off and last the way that it did yeah and people would still be talking about it to this day uh you know i have yet to put that on my instagram but I, it's coming soon I'm gonna i was gonna say off. yeah what uh how did that even come about like how did you how did you know my my agent i guess they reached out to my agent asked me would i be interested in doing it you know and i was like yeah okay i'll, I'll do it but i went down and i remember i was so sick during the film during, during the taping of that sitcom i didn't think that i was going to be able to make it through it but oh man i felt awful the whole time you know but you know i i, I was good while i was on set but when, when i wasn't taping man i was so sick mm. i was gonna say <laughs> yeah. i watched it last night you powered through i couldn't i couldn't yeah, tell yeah. But you 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 power a true a true actor yeah yeah i was i was i was feeling horrible believe me <laughs> it didn't show uh. yeah <laughs> Uh, now a couple more questions won't take too much of your time uh, I mentioned earlier you are a Bulls analyst I feel like I'd be mm. remiss if I didn't ask you about just what kind of a special start to the season uh, uh, they're off to and what uh, what do you think they need to do to just keep that going well they need to stay healthy one mm. and you know at the beginning of the season I went to the practice I went to their, their practice a couple practices before um the preseason started and i knew then that this was going to be 
a team that's going to surprise the whole league because defensively they really get after you. They don't they, they don't have those a type of defense where they play prevent defense. They actually go get you. They actually right. attack you. And that's why they get out on the – they're averaging like 14, 15 points a game on the fast break. reason why they do that is because they turn the ball – they make you turn the basketball over. And now you take the defense that they play and you add the offensive weapons that they have. I mean, they, they, they have about three or four guys that can average 20 points a game in this league. You know, you look at uh, Zach Levine. You look at DeMar DeRozan, who's, a, who's an MVP candidate right now. You look at uh, Nikola Vucevic former all-star Lonzo Ball can put it in the basket Kobe White can put it in the basket I mean uh, Lonzo had 18 last night and uh, then you throw in Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball who I think are two of the best defenders in the league especially on the perimeter those, those mm-hmm. guys should be both of those guys should be first team all defense and you know you got a bunch of hungry guys coming off the bench Derrick Jones Jr. Uh, Troy Brown Jr. Um, Green that comes off of the bench and and and, and does a great job. I mean, uh, Ayo they, they from Illinois. Ayo DeSumo who played for Illinois, who's who's was a second round pick, and has surprised the whole league at how good he is right now. You know, already, he, he just already he's contributing on the defensive end, and now his offense is starting to come around. So. That's the reason why they sit atop the Eastern Conference right now, you know, and at, at 27 and 11 right now. They're in first place. Uh, they got a test tonight against the Brooklyn Nets, but, you know, I think that they passed that test, especially if they can stay healthy. Right. I don't. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bulls are in the Eastern Conference Finals if they can stay healthy. Yeah. It's It's yeah. been some talk now, I guess, about, like, windows. Like, I've heard, and I'm sure you've heard it too, like trade talk, some of the younger players maybe yeah. trying to get like a veteran they could help more like right now. What do you make of it? Like, what what does a player think of like a you know? Do we need to capitalize right now? Do we have a window for long term? What what's a player's mindset there? Well, I think I think the Bulls have positioned themselves for right now and for the future because you look mm-hmm. at all of the young players they have. Zach is still really young at twenty six years old. I mean, he hasn't even hit. Well, he's just now entering his prime. You look at Lonzo's really young. Uh, Caruso, uh, really, and I don't even really consider him old, but DeMar is, what, 32? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's not, that's not yeah. old. Yeah, that's, that's not really old for uh, a professional athlete in, in these times. Right. So, but they do have assets. You know, you have Patrick Williams, who's out for the season with a, with a broken wrist. That, mm. that was a big blow. But, yeah. you know, what? With him, I, I imagine where we could possibly be. That could be if Patrick Williams is healthy. That might be five more wins for us. I, you know, I yeah, don't know. He, but, he had a, a great rookie year. Yeah, yeah, he did. But there's also times where you can improve yourself with a roster spot. Like there's been talk about them trading Kobe White and Patrick Williams in, in deals, but. I don't if if I can't get a guy that can really contribute, there's no way I'm trading those guys because they're too important for my team. Right. You know, I could see if if a Miles Turner became available from Indiana, if a Demonis Sabonis came available, then yeah, okay, you then I'll, I'll think put about chips it. on the table. I have to right. think about it. But if it's not guys of that caliber, then I'm not I'm not going to touch these guys. Hmm. Now, yeah. you've been doing analyst work for a couple of years. Was that something that you, you knew you wanted to get into or just kind of? Yeah, 
Yeah, my major was communications at, at, at okay. uh, U of I, so at the University of Illinois. So, um, you know, I, I had done uh, work in front of the camera when I was in college. I had done work behind the camera as well. So I, I knew this was what I wanted to do after I got done playing ball. Gotcha. So was it a tough transition? I've heard like some former players say that they either didn't get into analyst work, like they didn't want to be too critical. Like they didn't feel like they wanted to be like the negative, I guess, voice like harping on guys. Was that a tough transition? Yeah, was that a tough balance for you? It's not, it's not, it's not tough, but you know, and I, I've made the mistake again uh, once or twice about being too tough on guys, you know, and I, I've actually apologized to some of the guys that, that I've said things about because me being a former player, I wouldn't want people to be that critical of me. Now, right. you, you can't be you can't be a guy that doesn't point out mistakes. For but sure. You should, but you shouldn't be a guy that like continues to harp on a player, uh, his weaknesses and things like that. You shouldn't do that. You know, I had to learn that. Hmm. Um, and you know, like I said, I made the mistake a couple of times, but I won't make it anymore. You know, because. You know, you just point out what you think that the player should do uh, differently, and then leave it alone. But don't continue to harp on it because you don't. One thing you don't want you want you don't want the players to be mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you don't right. want that at all. <laughs> I was say you. You sound like you had some experience, but it seems like it was it was handled and smoothed over. It was it was it was smoothed over. You know, if you, you just apologize to the guys; they'll they'll understand. They may still be yeah. mad at you, but at least you apologize. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a uh, couple more questions, uh, then we'll get you out of here. Do you remember how much your first NBA check was? Yeah, I remember. How uh, much? It was, uh, it was, it was, it was seventy nine thousand one hundred and either thirty eight or twenty eight dollars. Okay. <laughs> what was the first thing you bought for you? First thing I bought for me, I, I went and bought a car. <laughs> What kind? I bought a, a 560 SEC Mercedes, white with the, with the tan interior. So that that was you uh, creeping around Charlotte in that. Creeping around Charlotte in that <laughs> car, man. That's a, I, I love that car too, because you know I, I saw that car in a, in a movie that Patrick Swayze was in. I forget what it's called. Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Yeah. Uh -huh. That that and I was like, man, I love that car. So uh, I was like, that's the first thing I'm gonna get. Do you still have it? A lot of people still have the first car. No, I don't. I don't. I don't have the first car anymore, man. You know, uh, and then you know, as I went on in my career, you know, I got into Ferraris and things like that. And mm. you know, I remember my friend coming over. This was about shoot. This was about fifteen years ago when I first started having having my kids. And he he came in my garage. He's like, "What happened to the Ferraris?" And I, was, I pointed over to. Him, I was like, "You see them strollers right there." I was like, right. that's what happened to my Ferrari. They, <laughs> I had to trade them in. Uh, <laughs> I had to trade my Ferrari in for them strollers, man. You know, because you got to pay for You got to pay for child care now. You got to pay for private, private schools if your kids go to private schools, you know. Right. So that's what happened to them. <laughs> and last question. What's something that Kendall now would tell like an 18, 19-year-old Kendall Gill? Take your time. Hmm. Take your time, you know, because a lot of a, a lot of the mistakes that I've made in life is because I rushed. You know, I rushed every. I, I was too impatient with things. When you know, 
you gotta my grandmother used to say this you know hey, listen your cornbread ain't ready yet you can't take it out of the oven <laughs> you know right. I, I i took my cornbread in life i took my cornbread out of the oven a lot of times too early right you know well i should have just left it in there and let it cook you know so that that's what i would tell an 18 year old kindergarten don't take your cornbread out the oven just yet. Don't take it out just yet. Your cornbread's not ready yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Kendall right. Gill, my man, thank you so much for stopping by the lounge. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Sorry about all the interruptions and everything, but, but I really it enjoyed it. Oh, likewise. You got an open seat right. here anytime, my man. Okay, thank you. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. All right, thank you for stopping by the Legends Lounge, brought to you by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. Give us a follow on Twitter at NBA Legends Lounge, and be sure to subscribe and rate the Legends Lounge on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll catch you next time.